Hey folks, yes, the new season is coming, but I wanted to share with you a recent event that we were a part of with Project, the fashion trade show. I had the pleasure of chatting with past guests Brian Trunzo, head of brands for Informa Markets, Jordan Page of Very Advance, and Bruce Pask, the men's fashion director of Bergdorf Goodman and Neiman Marcus. We chat about post-pandemic fashion, shared our predictions for an extremely optimistic future, and discussed the return of occasion dress, meaning we're going to be wearing suits again. Like, look, I am here for it. Enjoy, and we'll see you in a few weeks with all new Blamo episodes. I want to say hello to everyone, and thank you for joining us today. My name is Don Petransic, and I'm the Vice President of Experience and Education with Informa Markets, uh, the fashion group very specifically. Um, of course, we, we want to make sure everyone is doing well and staying safe during this time. Uh, so we send all of those good vibes out to everybody. Today's webinar is the first in the Now Forum series. And today's session, um, the folks from Blamo are going to talk and our panelists are going to answer the question, the return to the roaring 20s. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce our panelists. Bruce Pask, Men's Fashion Director, Bergdorf Goodman and Neiman Marcus. Jordan Page, multidisciplinary creative. Hello. Jeremy Kirkland, creator and host of Blamo, exclamation point. And Brian Trotto, head of brands for Informal Markets Fashion. Take it away. Hey, all right. Thanks everyone for joining us today and thanks for all of you tuning in at home. Uh, if you want to feel like you're here, the amazing thing is you can just mess with your own Zoom background and go anywhere you want. So enjoy that wonderful feeling to be able to travel around the world. Um, before we, we jump in real quick, uh, I, I just want to ask, are we all wearing sweatpants? Have we all moved on <laughs> to this? Because we're going to go just we're going to go like a train just straight through this thing. Uh, are, are, didn't you guys do the sweatpants thing? Are we are we going to stick with this? Bruce, what's, what's happening over there? I mean, I think there is something to be said for being comfortable and relaxed, but I also think there's something nice about whether you're working in your home or some people are actually working in, in workspaces that I think to get dressed and go to work is this necessary, necessary separation between like home and then work life. So I also, I just feel better when I get dressed. Um, yeah, I, you know. No judgment, but I, I think it's, you know, self-determination these days has to be respected. People have to be able to do whatever they want to do and what makes them feel great. But I, I personally appreciate that, uh, the dressing up to go, to go, quote unquote, to work. Yeah. Yeah. The other day I uh, was, my, I was, I was getting dressed and I've been trying to wear suits a lot more just to feel good, to, to mm -hmm. go to work, you know, even though that's, that's down to my office. And uh, I was put on a suit and my, my wife was like, what, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm going to work. And, and it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the best feeling to, to, to get dressed. Like uh, Jordan, you know, how, how have you been throughout all of this stuff? Uh, I mean, you know, I, I come from a work environments that are pretty casual um, and, you know, somewhere you could even get away with sweats beforehand. So it wasn't like a huge transition for me coming into COVID life dressing down. Um, I've worked in music and, and fashion and I guess, you know, streetwear uh, uh, more particularly for most of my career. So like, you know, if, if you have cool sweats on, 
it's a pass anyway. Um, but I think we're coming out of a lot of trends that saw um, value and comfort as much as aesthetics. So for mm. me, it wasn't a huge transition. Like, you know, when you look at like the norm core thing that kind of took off, you know, mid decade, uh, you know, in the last 10 years, um, it wasn't a huge transition for me. I do prize comfort, but I also like to, to dress up and look nice. And to answer your first question, I'm, I'm not currently wearing sweatpants. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, Trunzo, you're, you're kind of an expert on, on so many of these like tr different trends and, and names of them. Um, Jordan had mentioned Normcore. Can you kind of explain like what, what that was for, for folks who, you know, who aren't sure? Was or, or maybe even is, you know, I, I guess by way of analogy, it's uh, dressing like Jerry Seinfeld. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a, a cognoscent way of flagging that you know so much about fashion that you don't have to look like a fashionista to convey that message. You're hidden in plain sight. Um, you're just a normal guy wearing very expensive sneakers that no one's any the wiser to know what those sneakers are or how much they cost, unless they too know what Normcore is. Um, so that, that's how I would phrase it, I guess. Right. The kind of like, if you know, you know, style aesthetic. Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I hear you. It, it, you know, it's funny because, uh, you know, Jordan, you know, we'd all kind of mentioned how we're kind of like getting back like we're you know earlier we had all chatted a little bit and you're talking about like what are the things that we see coming and and for me and i'm just curious how you guys feel about this i feel like we're you know other folks that i've been talking to listeners who will reach out to me they've used a lot of this you know somewhat isolation or quarantine time to go through their wardrobe and and kind of figure out like what matters the most you know and like what are the basics to get back to i mean so many people random people I follow on Instagram are just purging so much of the stuff that they have and trying to get back to the higher quality basics. And like, for me, you know, I've gone back to things like, like, you know, a good pair of denim, you know, like a, a raw denim or a wash denim, uh, like t-shirts, like blue Oxfords, like Bruce, I mean, how has this been for you? I mean, I agree. I think it's what you talked about. is like this core classic. I think it's one of those situations where, you do find yourself reaching for those pieces over and over again that are meaningful and relevant to you in this very moment. So I think uh, you kind of naturally uh, weed the others out. Um, you know, I think, you know, I've definitely been wearing the same different pairs of pants, but it's like a genre. I've been wearing like these wide leg khakis, but I kind of did that before. The footwear mm -hmm. choice has definitely been like, I've completely gone full Birkenstock because <laughs> I'm into it. Um, okay. What so Birkenstocks? I guess you don't maybe mind. that's my my sweatpant moment. <laughs> but you okay. know, the short for me, and I think that's where we have these pieces where I think the 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 memories of this time period are going to persist. Like we're not all of a sudden once we're vaccinated and back, you know, returning into some semblance of a workspace, going to forget about how this informed our choices. So there is going to be an element of casual that's going to persist, but I think it will um, certainly evolve uh, and you know we talked about earlier you know the chore coat like that's a piece that's sort of made for this time and moment it's it's something that is a very relaxed shape really easy to wear but still gives that polish that that you know most people like or some people like but um that third piece that we call in the industry that thing that adds to the shirt and the pant that kind of pulls the look together and makes you feel like quote-unquote dressed yeah, because Bruce, I mean, you, you, you know, being a bit of a style icon yourself, 
I mean, there are pieces <laughs> when I when I look through my Bruce Pask online archive of fits, Gosh. there's you know that helmet <laughs> laying denim jacket has has always been there, and that's that's reign supreme. And and I I love how you you know you and and what you guys have done at Bergdorf and even Marcus like encouraging people to buy you know buy the best that they can get and and know that what they're buying is something they can have for as long as they you know welcome mm-hmm. it in their wardrobe and you you've really displayed that in so many of the the pieces that you've kind of like made as your your hallmark aesthetic yeah and i mean i i think there is like i think there is value in these pieces that stand the test of time and i think there's been more attention paid to that in this moment but I think there's also the excitement that comes from seeing something that's new and refreshing that makes you feel different about how what you're going to wear. Like the other day I saw, you know, that office in general tweed short coat that's quilted. I was like, you know what? I can use that on my walks. I kind of need something new. And, you know, they do make you feel better. But it is, uh, you know, like Jordan stated as well, I've always had this balance between a polished you know, take on casual. That's always been a part of my shtick. So it hasn't been a huge adjustment to, to, to be honest. Yeah. Jordan, what, what about you? I mean, have you, have you taken this time to kind of like alter your wardrobe or, or you know, are there like some basics you're going to stick with? Yeah, uh, I've definitely, you know, I think that first just want to say if anyone has gone, you know, honestly, like the last year, you know, that we've almost, been through all of this and not gotten any perspective on any part of life. Um, it's insane, but I've taken that perspective into different aspects of my life and, you know, concerning my wardrobe, I've definitely dialed it back. I've gotten rid of things I've purged. I've taken, you know, what I do have and, you know, seeing the value in it, like, all right, these are the pieces I want to move forward for the duration of this, you know, COVID era that we're going through and then beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for me, there are certain staples that I have been, I guess, implemented in my wardrobe the last few years. Like Ralph Lauren has kind of taken to making baggier pants again, and they've done these really great, like, baggy pleated corduroys that I have in every color. Um, so that is kind of like my sweatpant in a way, because they're just mm. as possible, honestly, but, you know, they look very polished. And, uh, you know, even the top I'm wearing now, it looks cozy and you know, it's quite understated, but, you know, it's, it's, you know, anyone that's, I guess, aware of, you know, current brands, they know it's a cactus plant flea market and it's not like a cheap fleece. It, it costs quite a bit for a fleece, but it's, you know, my comfort piece right now. And I wear it in the house, right. I've rarely worn it out. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I think that I've definitely taken this time to kind of readjust a lot in my life, especially in my wardrobe. I, I think I've gotten rid of so many vintage pieces that I had that I hadn't worn and God knows how long, two, three, four, five years. And just said, I don't need this. I need the space. I need to lighten my load. I need to, you know, just get rid of stuff and really, I guess, figure out what's important to me. Yeah. Yeah. And Trenzo, we were talking a little bit about this because, you know, so many of, you know, our friends and people in our network it, it really taken to the outdoors. I mean, the out, this, this time has been great for us to kind of figure out like, Oh, you know what? Like I can go outside and with being outside, at least if you're me, you're like, I can get a whole new, like outside wardrobe going on here. And that's, you know, kind of raised to this, this new sort of, uh, you know, name of people have called Gorp core, which like I pretend here's my thing. Like I always pretend that I know what I'm talking about. I never know what I'm talking about. That's why I reach out to like, 
people like you guys who can kind of help educate me on this stuff. But Tronzo, can you explain a little bit about what Gorp Core is and, and like how this how this is like happened? Oh man, you know, I, I would give a, a shout out to Jacob Gallagher, um, fashion editor over at the Wall Street Journal, because he just recently wrote a really great article on it. Um, and he actually uncovered the literal meaning of the acronym, which I believe is good old raisins and peanuts. I want to say it's peanuts. I'm not sure if it is. So yeah. maybe someone yeah. listening. Is it peanuts? Yeah. Okay. So, so from okay. that phrase, from that phrase, you can imagine what it means. Right? Anyone who's on the trail, um, you know, hiking uh, has become uh, the aesthetic du jour, every jour for all foreseeable jours, I feel like at this point. Um, but, you know, I think a part of it, I think a part of that trend being so resilient is how turbocharged it's become at a time when the only thing we can do is go outdoors, really. Uh, you know, like mm. congregating indoors is, is still, you know, not the safest way to congregate, obviously. Um, Hence why we're doing a webinar. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, going outdoors and enjoying um, the great outdoors is, is a wonderful way to uh, socialize during this time and getting a fit off while doing it, dressing appropriately for it. Or if you're not doing it. I mean, there are some Gorp core garments that um, the designer who created it never contemplated anyone ever wearing it on a mountainside or doing any Gorp like activities. Right. So. Uh, it's it's a really persistent trend, and I think it makes sense given the climate. And I think it's going to give birth to similar trends that like play in that sedentary, mindful space. You know, uh, yeah. I myself am a big enthusiast of chess, and with Queen's Gambit uh, on Netflix recently, and and with you know uh, beginners getting into the game right now because they're locked inside. I feel like that's an interesting place to look for inspiration. So um, pottery, maybe I don't know. Okay. So, I mean, there's, there's a, no, it's good. I mean, well, there's, there's an aesthetic that kind of comes into that stuff. I mean, which is, you know, uh, I think people are trying to find different ways to express themselves with environment that they're in, you know? And so like, if it's, you know, I mean, and with, with like the Gorp core stuff, I mean, Jordan, this is something that you've always been a, you know, huge resource for the whole world. And with, with very advanced, your, your Instagram account, because you've really kind of, uh, you know, chronicled all of the outdoor gear from the vintage stuff. Cause a lot of people are finding old North face and looking for things like what you're wearing. You know, I'm sure that that cactus plant flea market was inspired by a lot of the seventies oh, yeah. old Patagonia retro fleas and things like that. Like, have you, have you kind of seen other people kind of lean into this a little bit more? Oh, heavy. Um, I mean, I, it's, it's insane. Like I feel like it started maybe even as a vintage trend because you know, the better part of a decade ago, Myself and others, we were really keen on like, you know, vintage ACG and North Face and, you know, Columbia Bugaboo. And somewhere along the lines in the last 10 years, I think, you know, brands or, you know, whoever in fashion took notice and like, you know, this stuff is cool again and, you know, it, it deserves another life. And then I think in the last two years, you saw brands like Arcteryx and Salomon have just this insane you know, um, resurgence um, to the point where they're like two of the coolest brands on the market now. And they haven't deviated at all from what, you know, they were made to do. So mm -hmm. it's, it's funny that, you know, these brands that are strictly functional um, are amongst the coolest now. And I just think, think it speaks to the intelligence of the consumer as well as like what they like, like they know what they're buying, they know what it's good for. I think now more than ever, especially men's where I feel like women maybe always knew what they were buying, but like men more than ever now know what they're buying. 
and they know that they can stunt in it, but they can also climb a mountain in it too. And it kind of has this duality that I don't think has existed uh, in fashion before this time. You know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but it, it appears. I mean, to dovetail on that, I absolutely echo that. And he brings up, uh, Jordan brings up a great point. It's like this, the duality of utility and versatility. I mean, we are in a time period where our lives have had to adjust. Our needs are different. Um, they've always been maybe a component of our wardrobe and what we need, but we've really seen like, I didn't used to go out in the middle of the day and take walks and it's cold out. You know, we were in our offices, in the store, wherever we were. And so there has been this kind of uh, additional need that we have, but also the idea of versatility. I think, uh, you know, these core pieces that we really turn back to again and again, uh, I think the added value of having a piece that is versatile matters a lot to customers today. I mean, maybe more than the, the in, in previous moments, but I, I think, values important and also it's getting a little theoretical but i think nature right now is a really grounding force i mean you walk outside you see a tree it's been there for generations and it puts all of this in a little bit of perspective it makes things that are seemingly unmanageable a little easier to kind of take you know knowing mm. that that tree that wherever it has been it's been around for generations we're going to get through it and i think it does help put things in a perspective that is a little more um, manageable yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of hope in that. I mean, yeah, so, sure. something I want to uh, talk about too. I mean, Jordan, you had mentioned this, where where you know how some of the Gorb stuff had come from vintage. Um, you know, Bruce, you guys have done a great job, and by being a, a company that's also started to sell vintage, just right alongside every other item, like in B Shop and things like that, with your partnerships with Atelier and Repairs. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I feel like that's something we're seeing more and more, and where people are. Uh, shops like Wooden Sleepers that are are looking to, you know, wear like a brand new, uh, brand new piece that's also with like some vintage Levi's, you know, or sort of people are asking more and and looking at things uh, from this the sustainability mindset where it's like I I'm still going to purchase, I still want to want to you know consume air quote there, but I do want to get pieces that um, other people have used and that there's a story to it that's been repaired. Um, how did that come about with, when you guys decided to to bring vintage more within Neiman Marcus and Bergdorf? Well, I think, I mean, for me, it was organic and putting the B-Shop together. Um, I think all of us now are, are much more mindful about the processes of production. And I think, you know, sustainability has never been more important and more talked about than now. And I think it's a hard bar to make. So I think I prefer to think about it as thoughtful production because I think a lot of people are using the idea of sustainability as a marketing tool when it really needs to be yeah. something we will be in that day where it's going to be a given that the garments that we wear have a sustainable aspect. So I think this idea of thoughtful production, I mean, for me, it was also, I love when the, the style component is going hand in hand with the thoughtful production component. Uh, I mean, Italian repairs, you know, they upcycle vintage jeans and, you know, do artisanal applications and sewing. And I just love them. And I, I think they're great. And for me, it's like a basic, but with a bit of a design kind of addition that it still is a core piece, but with a little something. So it started there, but it has the added value of, you know, being thoughtfully produced and, and, uh, you know, the designer of that, that kind of measures his success of the year by how many tons of denim he used that had been. Mm. I think that's 
really great. And you have somebody like Greg Lauren also, you know, great artist and artists in taking artistic methods to create garments that exist and turning them into and transforming. So yeah, it's one component of sustainability that I think is, and, and thoughtful production that I think is really, really compelling. Yeah. Jordan, I mean, you, you've been a bit of a vintage dealer uh, yourself. I mean, have you, you know, have you always been uh, incorporating vintage in your wardrobe or are you seeing that a little bit more new with other folks now? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it was definitely for me, something my family always did. We always thrifted, you know, like come from humble beginnings. So like we weren't always shopping retail in the mall and stuff. And I definitely got the the thrifting bug from my mom. She's always been a smart shopper. Um, I will say, you know, thrifting as a cool niche thing has always been around, you know, every decade where, you know, youth existed in shops, they looked to prior decades for inspiration and coolness, you know, 70s, they were buying 40s and 50s, 90s, they were buying 60s, 2010s, we were buying 80s and 90s. So, you know, it's always been around. But I think that now it's just so implanted in fashion in such a heavy way, like the influence is more obvious, even when you're purchasing retail, you can go into shops that traditionally only sold new product and you see a rack of, you know, really cool, exciting vintage beside them. I think you see more vintage boutiques and thrift stores than you ever have in previous decades. And you, you can tell that it's becoming more popular because the price of vintage has skyrocketed depending on what you're buying. Um, and, you know, that's just like the, the, the economics of it. But I've definitely seen it so embedded in current, you know, I guess, society or, you know, uh, like what youth are doing. Like, you know, the cool kids in high school now are wearing vintage where that wasn't the case 10, 20, 30 years ago. And I think that it right. just has such a place in mainstream fashion now. And I don't think that's going to go back. I think it's here to stay in the way it exists now. Yeah. Brian, what about you? I mean, you know, as, as a trend reporter and, and, you know, what, what you guys have done in Informa, I mean, do you see this happening more with, with folks instead of just having it being vintage inspired, like really, you know, upcycling and things like that? Yeah, the upcycling trend has made its way through all parts of the industry. You know, we actually have some really good exhibitors at projects who play into that narrative or make it a very large part of their collections. One brand that comes to mind is Hammett Holloman. Um, so any retailer uh, listening, give it, give it a, a look. Um, you know, what, one point of differentiation that I wanted to hit upon um, in thinking about the, the title of this uh, webinar, you know, Roaring Twenties, is, is uh, where it's different uh, from a century ago. And I think this is like the perfect place to carve that line, right? Whereas um, from popular culture, we knew the Roaring Twenties to be a Gatsby-esque kind of period of just excess and waste. And while this uh, 21st century version of that may mirror certain aspects of that, maybe there'll be a return to unfettered spending. Maybe people will be into occasion where as they're thinking about all the parties that they want to go to as things return to normalcy. Um, I think one area where it is starkly different is is with this topic of uh, sustainability, mindfulness, um, being a little bit more discerning in what you buy. Uh, I, I think that that concept was definitely lost upon our forefathers for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a there's a uh, a tailor that I, I you know have stayed in touch with over the years, and uh, COVID, this whole you know thing basically has, 
you know, it messed with him a little bit, you know, when people were a little bit panicked and like, oh, I don't know, should I get this? And now he said his he's having to stop taking orders because his production is just through the roof and his business is going nuts. And people are like, I need a Navy jacket. I need, you know, like I, I need to get, you know, a corduroy suit. I need something like this where people are like this time, you know, like, you know, almost to jump back to where we had started, where it's like this time alone has made me think, you know, I, I have a wardrobe and I had and I had something beforehand, but what I really want and, and, you know, by spending this time has made me think about uh, what matters the most to me. And so people are just going back to some of these like basics and things like that and putting all that stuff together. Um, I, I want to, we got one more thing and then we're going to do a, a, a quick sort of Q and A after this, but you know, Brian, you, you had talked about this too and, and how people are thinking about brands and, and how people are kind of asking a bit more from them. I think it's interesting when you think about 20, 30 years ago, you, you would, you know, a person would buy something or, you know, would patronize a brand and, and that would be kind of it. You, you, you purchase the article of clothing and you'd move on with your life. And now uh, because of social media, because of personalities, people have such a deeper connection to these brands. Um, and, and people are starting to ask more of them uh, and, and how they incorporate that brand in their life. Like what, it, what does it stand for, you know, to own a piece of, for example, Atelier, Atelier and Repairs, like, you know, oh, well, I feel connected to Maurizio Donati. And, and I love that, you know, me supporting this company, they're doing these things to better the world. And I think that's something we haven't really seen before to where people have such a, um, you know, a close knit relationship with the, the brands that they're supporting. I mean, Bruce, I mean, have you have you noticed that as well? For sure. I, I mean, I think, you know, it's not just a garment or an object or an item anymore. I mean, it is necessarily what the item is, is necessarily tied into what does the company do? What do they stand for? What do they represent? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I think those are, it's also has, a, I think, a lot to do with media that we've never been more aware of these companies and their practices. So I think it's, it's about the information that's available. And the one thing I want to just double back to what Brian was saying about this, the roaring 20s, I think it helps, and I think it's necessary to put things in a contextual kind of uh, picture. Like, you know, the Roaring Twenties, uh, they were coming out of a victory in World War One. There was like huge, like beyond like mid double digit economic growth and the advent and proliferation of the automobile. So it's like all of this like amazing kind of uh, victory, economic growth. And we're coming out of something that's going to be a collective trauma uh, due to the pandemic, the economic devastation from that, and a reckoning ultimately with uh, social justice. So I think the circumstances are very, very different. So I think we are going to have A20s. Is it going to be roaring? I think the values are different. And like Jordan said, like we can't have come out of this without having a shift on perspective. And that necessarily affects our values as well. So I think that is going to inform all of this. I think there is this pent up desire to dress up, to get dressed. And I think a lot of it will be occasion based. I do think we will see a return to kind of occasion based clothing, but I think that will also be in the name of honoring and celebrating the fact that we can gather together again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, definitely I agree. agree with that. I, you know, and, and, I just in conversations with, you know, a bunch of friends, um, you know, throughout the year, a lot of weddings got canceled and postponed. And I think that going back to occasion based dressing 
we will see people make <laughs> more of an effort to kind of shine and look of the occasion when we're able to kind of do these things again. I, I'm, I'm very excited myself to see. I know a lot of my friends have said, I can't wait to buy my next suit for whatever, you know, they're waiting for it to happen whenever COVID's over. So I definitely agree with everything Bruce just said. Yeah. I think we want to, we want to get dressed up. We want to see each other. I mean, even if it's just dinner with a friend, I think there is going to be a sense of occasion. It's going like, we are going to appreciate all of that in a way that we never ever uh, knew that we would or had to. Yeah. I mean, the, the quality of our experiences will, will skyrocket because mm -hmm. of the, the yeah. norm that we've been forced to have. It's, you know, I mean, I, I can't wait for, you know, for to, to order a, a glass of wine and someone pour it. And, you know, I mean, it's just like, you know, the, the things that you think about or that I just totally took for granted. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. And heck yeah. Like I, all I want to do is stunt and take fit pics and, <laughs> and, and find a way to make sure I still fit in the clothes that I order. <laughs> You're here. Yes. Jeremy, how's your car, Bob? Uh, Fitting well, into the clothes. <laughs> I, I will say that, uh, you know, I am wearing a suit right now and the pants fit, but they didn't maybe a couple months ago. So I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm back uh, in my little home gym burpees thing on a, on a yoga mat doing <laughs> what I can. Uh, but <laughs> the clothes, you know, I'm not that I'm going to get all Lagerfeld RIP, but like having that stuff still there and knowing that like, well, it's not going anywhere. Like I'm like, I'm going to get back to that because I want, I do, I want to wear these clothes again, you know, and, and I also, and I want to get more. Um, we're going to, we're going to go for a, a Q and a here. I don't, I don't know what sort of questions we, we have that's popping up. Um, uh, there you are, Don. Yeah. I want to, I want to make sure everybody out there watching and listening is, is interested, who is interested in submitting a question goes ahead and does so over Q and a, um, in the moment though, right here, Jeremy, I want to ask about, um, some upcoming podcasts, because I think a lot of folks that are on here are, are listeners and followers. So um, can you tell us what what's on the horizon? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, for us, you know, it's been it's been interesting uh, seeing everyone make a podcast. And, and for me, I, I mean, I've been so excited by more people jumping into this industry because, you know, given uh, like how our, our, our communication has been, people are looking for things that they can do while they're doing other things, you know, and podcasts and audiobooks have been kind of the perfect supplement for that. Where it's like, I'm going on a walk. So I'm going to listen to, you know, a uh, podcast and, and, you know, it's been nice with, with shows like ours and other shows like, like Handcut Radio and, and people are, are finding a way to, you know, start talking about clothes again. And, uh, you know, we just, the, the episode we did this week was with, uh, uh, a husband and wife couple uh, called Story MFG, and you know they they have just done an amazing job with with you know their their clothes are like almost like a mixture of like gorp and vintage. You know that a lot of the stuff is through uh, most of their productions within India and Taiwan, and it is um, I mean some of the most beautiful, but also I mean I almost want to say like gregarious clothes I've I've ever seen, and and I think 
when you think about how people are looking for these ways to kind of like reemerge with a full, you know, self-expression. I mean, that's just been fantastic to see. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, we have that uh, coming up and then we also have, um, you know, as we've started to, to uh, the show's grown a bit, we've also started to talk to folks who are not necessarily like directly in the fashion world. I mean, like Bruce and Jordan have been guests before, but these are people who are a little bit more adjacent to where people like, uh, like Wes Anderson um, and, you know, and, and how much like clothes and style are so important to all of his films. Uh, you know, French Dispatch, which is geez, delayed like 16 months or something by the time it'll come out, but you know, uh, having him on there. And, and so that's been fun to, to have conversations with folks who, who really want to talk about clothes, but in the past, uh, their press tours have been more about, you know, how they worked with X or Y actor than how yeah. important it was for them to wear the right suit. Rather than the product itself. Well, before yeah. we move on from this, anybody on the panel have an idea to pitch Jeremy for the next okay. podcast like you want to hear from? It's your chance. It's your chance to shark. <laughs> I mean, you guys can slide so, into my DMs anytime you want. Yeah, I was going to say, let, let me get back to you on that. Think about that. Um, but <laughs> dovetailing, onto this is uh, a question was asked, what role do you see TikTok playing in the future of fashion brand discovery? You know, when Jeremy was talking about, you know, doing multiple things simultaneously as we're all doing. So I'm sure TikTok is on maybe even right now on some folks, but on mute, just because it's become something we cannot turn away from. Uh, some of the good stuff we can turn away from. So, you know, this is for everyone on the panel. Maybe Brian can start by uh, giving his opinion and then we'll go around. Yeah, you know, I've actually given this a lot of thought um, because TikTok has become somewhat of a whipping post for, um, let's call it non-Gen Zers, uh, anyone who is a millennial or older, stating how, you know, senseless and pointless it is. And, um, that's true for a large part of what TikTok represents, but I like to think of, you know, the way memes are born um, and not memes, meaning like images that are passed around uh, on the internet, but any non-genetic information that goes viral, right? Um, the coding of information that's passed through culture. And TikTok is just really that turbocharge is a celebration of meme cultures. I mean, I remember when I was, you know, in high school and grammar school, secret handshakes, um, you know, the cheerleading girls had had their special little dances and, and you would meet someone from a different town who received that information. It was just slower. Now TikTok is just pushing that like like a thousand miles an hour. And fashion is a necessary component of that. Right. Like the five inch short uh, of, uh, viral um, meme over the summer, uh, the Patagonia baggy, the five inch short. Those five inch inseams were being promoted by like 16 year old kids on TikTok. And that is where that trend really took hold. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of, of bad things you could say about something like TikTok. Um, but I just see it as, uh, you know, memes personified. Mm. Yeah. I definitely uh, agree with everything Brian just said. It's funny how you know, like social media in general, things get passed at the speed of light, you know, like, whereas prior to all of this, you know, you, it, it might take a, a, the better part of a year for a trend to reach, you know, your town or city, wherever you were. But um, I think that a lot of people more than ever kind of see themselves as like fashion aficionados, and then they start accounts and they either show off their personal style or new product that they purchase. I was working on a project a couple of months ago that kind of 
delved into the history of sneaker unboxing and we were looking at like all people that you know were youtube based but then the thought occurred to me like are there people that are doing this on tiktok too and mm. sure enough there were and they were all gen z um mm. kids who in a minute or less were doing what people on youtube were doing in 20 minutes or less Ooh. so everything is faster and shorter on mm. tiktok but like i think that just speaks to kind of like the fastness of uh you know how technology moves today the quickness of it and also maybe the attention span <laughs> of younger generations they want what they want in yeah. a shorter amount of time you yeah know? yeah bruce the same to you but let me add this part uh, can you tell the difference between a genuine uh, experience and something that is maybe underwritten or sponsored without saying oh, as much? I mean, I think all of these venues, the amazing thing is, is that they're information and idea exchanges. And I think that's been sort of the most informative and I, I think uh, developmentally most important in fashion in the last you know decade and more is uh, as both of Brian and Jordan said, this exchange of information has just come incredibly quick. I also think it's led to the sophistication of the viewer as well as the customer and the shopper that you can't pull anything over on them. They're aware, they're savvy, they're informed. And I think, uh, you know, speaking as a retailer, what's great about that is you have customers that in the past would come in and be sheepish about um, asking a question or not feeling that they were quite aware of what's going on. And I think all of these, uh, you know, digital venues have allowed and, and certainly inspired people to be informed and they make informed choices. They feel better about their choices. Um, they're taking more design risks. Mm. And so I think that's been the great benefit of all of it. It's just that people are informed. And, and I think with that, to your point and your question is, yeah, I think people have a very, very, they're savvy about authenticity and authenticity is incredibly important. Yeah, I love that. And I love the, the, um, the message of confidence that comes across in that and those folks going into the shops or, or online making these choices based on knowledge or opinions that they have created based on what they've observed and absorbed. Um, what makes it fun for them rather than a chore or a task that they have to complete? I mean, I work in menswear and that's usually in the past had been, I need this, so I need to go out and find that. It became like, uh, you know, a task. And yeah. now it's something that has been a pastime. It's enjoyable. It's fun for people. And I think that in, uh, the knowledge and the information has really led to that uh, shift in the mindset. Yeah, it's uh, an example that had been given to me years ago, the difference between how men shop and women shop. A man and a woman go into a store and the woman says, I, I'm shopping for a black skirt. And he says, okay, here's a black skirt. And she's like, oh, well, I mean, that's one of many black skirts. It's a whole process, but it's a hunt and find versus the process. But I think what we've done here is we've shifted. We've changed that. And everybody now is going into the process-based uh, shopping experience. Um, finally, just from the questions. So Chicago here says, what personal role do you feel sometimes in keeping the doors open for some of our core local shops that mean so much in the markets outside of NYC or Paris, et cetera. It's hard not to get down when great outlets like um, Magazine and Culver City go, list goes on and on. Uh, but those are so meaningful in being exposed to brands like 
our legacy, boat, et cetera, when they're not as widely available in other markets. So uh, just a, talking about... Um, uh, I think the core of that question goes to regional retail. I, I think that's how I understand it. Um, so either to uh, tackle it from that angle or open it up to the floor, I, I think it's... Uh, what I would like to express to this question is that, you know, regional retail is very important because it reaches an end user that perhaps might not be as culturally entwined uh, and might not know what's going on in a capital city or know all of the various places, uh, to use a word that I used earlier, that the Cognoscenti go to on Instagram or uh, wherever else they're receiving their information from. So I, I would see uh, regional retail as, a, as an important extension for any brand that wants to reach that end user. For sure. Jeremy, what do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, the the thing about those, those you know, magazine, the, the shops that they mentioned, those are places that, you know, were birthed out of a strong digital presence. And they were also retail built off personalities, you know, I mean, and the good thing is those things haven't gone away, you know, um, Bruce Pask is more accessible than ever. He has an Instagram account and he tells you what he's wearing. You know, I mean, J Jordan Page, and uh, you know, I'm serious. Like, and, but that to me gives me hope and joy in the sense that I can still, I can still find influencers and tastemakers. And, um, and those people I feel more connected to than I ever have in my life. And I, I love that and celebrate that. And what I think regional retail can do is, you know, continue to try to listen to those folks and engage with them, but also realize that they have the same platform as everyone else in the sense that, you know, my younger brother runs a retail shop in St. Louis. And, you know, for them, you know, using Instagram and using, uh, you know, yes, TikTok and stuff like that now has become how they really engage with their customers the most. You know, he was like, man, thank God I can answer Instagram DMs on the web because people don't even want to email. They just respond to an image or they forward a picture where someone tagged something and they're like, do you have this? Like, I want to get it. Mm -hmm. And that's great because these retailers can be more than just a depot. Like, you know, they can be more than, I saw this somewhere, do you have it here in Medium? Like you can do that, you can bring that person in and then, you know, pick up on the conversation uh, you know, that was left off from where you were engaging with someone like, like Bruce Pask or, or Jordan or Trunzo or, or me, you know? And so, and I, I think it's, it's on everyone in the industry to know that, you know, these industries were, were built off retail and built off commerce and to continue to, you know, kind of try to, to push people <laughs> to those directions in those, in those conversations. But I mean, I, I am so elated that those, uh, that, you know, I can learn more about these folks versus, trying to scan through a magazine and then hopefully the credit's right. And then how do I get in touch with them? You know, so it's, it's exciting. Just the idea of scanning through a magazine and looking in the gutter for credits. I mean, it just, it's hard. The history class almost. <laughs> yeah. And I've just dated myself. Okay. Um, I, we can go on and I'd love to just sit here and listen to all you guys talk, but uh, I think we're going to cut it right here. It was an amazing panel and an incredible group of panelists so, and moderators. So thank you all for agreeing to come to the platform and, and talk shop. Um, 
Also, everybody who, who tuned in um, live and those that are going to tune in afterwards, thanks for tuning in. And uh, we will see you next time on Project Digital Trade Event.